My name is Tony, and I was in a cult for over a decade. And my name is Lindsay, and my sister was in a cult for over a decade. And now I'm out. Lindsay and my family helped get me out, and we have created a podcast. Playing in Traffic. We interview survivors of the Wimscog. We cover topics of healing and topics of all things about cults. So tune in, like, subscribe, whatever all that means, and enjoy the process of deconstruction. Welcome to Playing in Traffic. This is our disclaimer song. This is our disclaimer song. It's our opinion. Don't sue us. Don't sue us. If you didn't want us to make a podcast about you, then you probably shouldn't have started a religion where you brainwashed people and separated them from your family, so it's kind of your fault. But don't sue us. Don't sue us. You know who you are, so don't do it. Don't sue us. twins and this is playing in traffic we are here again with our lovely friend esperanza and we just felt like we still had some questions we wanted to ask her a lot of interesting things we wanted to talk to her about so she agreed to come talk to us again hey today i listened to steve hassan's podcast and he had an ex-mormon on and it reminded me of what we were talking about last time about how when when you went preaching in Utah and also speaking with Chad, speaking with Lisa, our cuddler. Do you remember, Lindsay, she brought, brought up the Mormons, too? The Mormons are a reoccurring theme to the Wimscog that there's similarities. So we wanted to ask Esperanza to go into a little bit more detail about that, if you could about what it was specifically about preaching to Mormons or hearing about their doctrine compared to the Wimscog. First of all, I love the episode that you guys did with Lisa. That was so cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. So cool. You should follow her. Um, um, you know, I don't know if you're on social media, but you should follow her because she is hilarious and so yeah. cool. How fun. Um, I'm also, I didn't know Steve Hassan had a podcast. I'm going to hop on that like tonight. <laughs> he literally, I, he saved my life. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. You're going to love it. Oh, yeah. It's called the Influence Continuum. All of these ex-members and, and a lot of people see similarities within the Wimscog and, you know, the Mormons and their doctrine and also their way of life. I think that's really interesting. So yeah. tell us your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, we get to Utah for this preaching trip. And um, one of the first things they did was give us a briefing on Mormonism. Um, and, you know, the, the Wimscog is always 
you know, teaching their members ways to preach to different groups of people, different types of people. And so, of course, they did the same um, in regard to the Mormons. And they um, started it off really by saying that when we're out preaching, they like to call the Mormons time-wasting demons, TWDs. Yeah, because they said... Um, the Mormons are so nice. They're going to let you into their house. They will talk to you forever. And you know, when you're like out preaching with the Wimscog, someone lets you in their house, you're like, oh yeah, you're getting baptized in your bathtub today. Like, <laughs> um, but you know, with the Mormons, they're, they're really nice people. I, I mean, and honestly, that's one of the things that ha had me snapping out of it was like, wow, these people are so nice. How could they be like demons? Like they say, um, and so that was a little bit off-putting, um, you know, the way they said that and then actually meeting them. Um, but I think just when they were teaching us about the Mormon doctrine and we watched some videos, um, just seeing that the Mormons too believe in, you know, like a, um, a modern Christ and they too believe in alternate books to the Bible in the same way that the Wimscog believes in Ansan Hong's books. Um, and, you know, they they were talking down on the Mormon church and how they refer to the Book of Mormon so um, strongly, almost more than they do the Bible, when it's like, okay, well, what about the Green Book? Tell me, what about that? How is that different? Um, so that, you know, was a piece of the puzzle for me. Um, and just really to how, you know, we learned about their doctrine um, and then going out and meeting and speaking with them, you know, they, they too believed that they had all the answers um, the same way the Winscog did. And, and then later coming out and realizing that all religious cults believe they have all the answers. <laughs> so, um, but really, and then when they, when they, the big bomb for me though, was when they mentioned the arranged marriages in the Mormon church that are abusive and the way the church covers them up. Um, that was really big for me. That's really when it um, hit me. And then all the, those other little things kind of came together too. Um, another thing that was like interesting was the, um, they gave them in like this, analogy um, of what it's like for an ex-member of the Mormon church. And they said like, okay, they, they talked about Utah and then how like Utah is like, imagine you, like Utah was founded by Mormons, really. Um, so like, imagine like, this is exactly what they said. Okay, imagine if the, the World Mission Society Church of God found this like land and then they just built a city there. And so the mayor is um, a missionary for the Wimscog or a pastor. And then the, the, all the police officers are Wimscog members. I mean, just the whole community is are members of the church. And then if anybody of the church leaves or, and or gets kicked out or whatever, how are they supposed to live in that society at all? Um, and so that they described it in that, you know, maybe that's what it's like for Mormons, ex-members of the Mormon church, and um, just kind of told us that, so maybe we approach them a little bit nicer, but just in hearing that, it was like, wait a minute, because they said, oh, you know, and then they're 
they're really mean to them and they don't want anything to do with them and they excommunicate and nobody talks to them. They tell the members not to talk to them and then you have no friends and everything. And it was like, wait a minute. You're like, oh, you guys did that to me. Yeah. I'm glad that you're saying all this because it, it really does pinpoint like why the Mormon power in Utah and just in general, that is like so such a terrifying thought that like the whole community is like run by the religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and if you you have to truly like leave town. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even in Utah, like a lot of the laws are still heavily influenced by the Mormon doctrine. Isn't there supposed to be separation of the church and the state? How are they allowed to do that? It's mind boggling. And then in this podcast I was listening to, this man said that the um that Mormon church is the richest church in America. They have so much money and they are involved in politics and mm-hmm. they have, yeah, they a, have lot a lot of, of power. Yeah. yeah. They have a ton of businesses. I mean, if, if you've never been to Utah, like it's really nice there. Like it's clean. I mean, their businesses run their it's a well oiled oiled machine over there. I mean, because they're all cult members, so they can control 100% of their life. So they're perfect little workers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, like we were, right? Just like we were. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like your job, your daytime job isn't just a job anymore. It's that too is work for God. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that those were kind of the bigger pieces of the puzzle for me while I was there. And then when I got back and, you know, went to New Mexico and then started watching the Mormon documentaries, um, I think really just seeing how um, the members of the Mormon church that were in, you know, the way they believed, how strong their faith was, the way they changed their whole life, and every second of their life was lived for the Mormon church. It's like, wow, I, you know, we so related to that, that that was us. There wasn't a single thought in our mind, a single minute of our day that wasn't dedicated. to the church and the doctrine. Esperanza, now that you're out and you're learning more about other cults, is the Mormon church still the one that you connect the most with? Or has there been another church or a group that's come up where you're like, that actually feels a little bit more? Um, I really connected with Steve Hassan's um, story in in the Moonies. As you know, it's another Korean cult. it's so funny. I actually, I think it's in one of the like hangover, hangover movies where they make jokes about Korean Jesus. Um, <laughs> and so now like if like I to just put it lightly, you know, and make make fun of things, I, I say like, oh, have you ever heard of like the jokes about Korean Jesus cults? Like I was in one. <laughs> I used to believe in the Korean Jesus. Um, so just funny. But anyway, um, but I would say um, also I think his name was Chris and he interviewed with, um, I think he interviewed with you guys, but he did a couple of episodes with um, Jordan on Great Light Studios where he just really um, unpacked um, the way cults work um, really well. And those episodes, I listened to them over and over and over again. So if he hears this, thanks, man. <laughs> that really helped me a lot. Like nights where I was struggling and thinking about just going back to the church, I would just put those on and I'd, and then I'd you know, make it the next day. So <laughs> are you talking um, SCJ, from the um, SCJ? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He's so lovely. Oh, he's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd say those are what I've connected with most. Um, 
but I haven't gone too far yet into like looking at other doctrines specifically because it really for me right now it's Bible talk, spirituality talk is is really hard for me still. I don't I don't like to do that. Um, you know, can I just really side note? You know, for me, which I thought was really interesting, the ones that I really felt like were a lot like us were the Heaven's Gate. Which went out of left field because everybody thinks, oh, they're so crazy. But when I heard them talk and I saw the way they dressed and I saw the way they interacted with each other mm-hmm. and sort of their awkward laughs and the way they would look at the leader and stuff, I saw us in there. It was weird. Wow. Wow. Yeah. There was um uh, this podcast I listened to. Um, there was a um an ex member of that church who that cult who got out just before that like mass suicide happened and I I, I really connected with him um so I I can see how um is he the one who's like kind of sad because he feels like he missed the boat I think he mentioned that briefly but he was like he he did like cry on the podcast because he was so like oh my gosh I know these people and yeah. you know just because you're such good friends with these people they're like your family and then just have you been watching it's called um holy hell in the name of god or something like that have you been watching i have not yet i really want to i don't have netflix and i am i'm not the biggest tv watcher but when it's like cult stuff or like cooking shows i'm i'm in it yeah um i just (laughs) i've just been like do i want to i'm like cheap and i don't want to pay for netflix i'm I might be reaching out to like a friend or family member. Like Esperanza, <laughs> their password so she can watch this. Yeah, yeah seriously. We watch it. Um, it's yeah. called "In the Name of a God." In the name of God, a holy betrayal. Yeah, I and, and I would say, I can imagine this to be very triggering to anybody watching because it's very intense. Uh, but I imagine if you were ever in a Korean cult of any kind, that this must be very triggering to watch because it's super intense. And it's not the Wimscog. The Wimscog is not in it. But it's fascinating how much um, overlap there is in some of like the years and the way they teach. But I didn't enjoy the way they dramatized it. And it it was seemed very um, a little bit experienced exploitative exploitative of the victims i don't know but i had to stop watching after like episode five it's very hard to watch but it's very but it needs to get out there i just don't really like the way they made it it's a lot yeah i think that's definitely part of why i haven't yet too i'm just taking my time i think i've you know i've done a lot of big things with (laughs) you know healing this this month especially and and coming on the podcast um and esperanza tell us about your healing process what have you been doing um yeah uh when i left uh i had you have no idea what you're getting into it's really good you know to do but um you know like i i shared in my story i left the church one time went back and then left again uh, when I left the first time, I never admitted that it was a cult. I never, I didn't want to look inside at all those scary, ugly things that you don't want to admit. But uh, as I said, when I left and I started seeing that, the, I believe the Mormon church was a cult. But then when I saw the similarities, it was like, okay, I think I need to start learning about cults. And um, 
I tried to read Steve Hassan's book and I couldn't like actually like physically read it because I was so like, I felt like my eyeballs were sinning because I wasn't reading like one of Unsung Holmes books or the Bible. <laughs> so I, I bought the audio book and I would just like lay in bed and I listened to half of it <laughs> in, in one night and like didn't sleep because um, it was just so intense. Um, and uh, really helped me snap out of it. Um, do you remember the name of that book that you read? Oh, Combating Cult Mind Control. Okay, Combating. It's his main book. It's his main book that everybody loves. And it yeah. helps us all to untangle some of those webs. I, I love that you listened to it because you felt like your eyeballs were sinning. I mean, that, <laughs> and then, like the vision of it, and it's like breaks my heart because like, I, I just imagine the like, like the intense fear that you couldn't even look at it so you had to like put it on audio so scary and they make you so scared of him yeah they do actually when i was in utah the missionary that the um, overseer of that location in salt lake city he was um when he first joined the church a long time ago i don't know exactly when it was he was actually like his family um met with steve hassan and they tried to do an exit counseling with him and he, yeah, um, obviously he's he's still in. Um, but so it was just crazy how it all worked out. And then I read his book and was like, wow. <laughs> you know how they move the overseers around all over the country. Um, they don't do that in Utah. That overseer has been there, I think, more than 10 years. Um, and I think it's because they know he's like overcome Steve Hassan. And also, they don't want people going into Utah and seeing all the similarities of the Mormon cult and the, the Wimscog. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was interesting. But um, yeah, as far as healing, uh, it, it was real ugly at first. Um, I mean, you leaving the church, it's, it's a different kind of depression that you get into. Um, I mean, I, I had to keep switching therapists because they they themselves would tell me like I I've never dealt with anything of this capacity. This is like so much because um, it's there. There's depression and then there's leaving a cold depression, <laughs> and the the um, the lack of a, a sense of purpose is so strong, um, so so strong. I, Thankfully for me, I, I never got to the point where I was suicidal, but um, I mean, yeah, you, you don't care about anything. Um, you don't even want to listen to people talk because you think that everything that comes out of anyone's mouth is meaningless. Um, so it's hard to even in, engage in any conversation um, because, yeah, it, it, all of your purpose, everything that exists at all was tied to the church and there was an answer quote unquote for everything before um so trying to let go of that and undo it all it's gosh almost indescribable uh just read a read steve Hassan's book <laughs> he's been better at explaining it did you have a hard time like filling up your time um i did i to be honest i would go to work and i i didn't want to do anything I would go home, instantly get in bed and just do nothing. And I get, cause it was like, okay, um, I guess I did have a hard time filling my time. Cause it, it was like, okay, well, what would I do and why? 
you know, um, and, and what would that do for me if I did do it? it, it that's where it was at first. Um, so, but yeah, just listening to the audios of Steve Hassan's books over and over, Freedom of Mind. Um, I did that one next a few times. That was really great. Um, and then after that, I was ready to start listening to other ex-members. Um, and that was really, really hard at first. Because as you know, like when you're in the church, those like we're told that ex-members are Satan. <laughs> so um, I was really afraid. But um, once I dove into the world and saw like really what's what is going on, um, you can never unhear, unsee what's really happening. And um, it's, I really wouldn't be here without everybody that's spoken up and, and told the truth. And that's too why I wanted to be as raw and as honest as I could in sharing my story and the and the hard things that were hard to share because, you know, the more of us that speak up and expose the church, um, the better it is for everybody. So yeah, thanks to everyone who, <laughs> you know, I really had the courage to speak up because it's, it's not easy. <laughs> um, it's really healing. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't trust people. Um, and I, but I was still trying to, at work, I would just try to act like everything's okay. Because that's something the church taught you too. You're, I was still indoctrinated in that way where you can never show anybody your suffering. You only have to show like glory to God and you can never show an inch of suffering to anybody. Um, so nobody at work had any idea for months like what I had been through or what I was still dealing with or trying to do. Um, but it, it, it caught up to me as it does. Um, and I, I ended up <laughs> having like a meltdown one morning with my boss at work. <laughs> he was like, whoa, what's going on? Um, and so I shared with him like, I just left a high control religious cult. <laughs> Um, and I mean, gosh, I, to say the least, like I, I didn't trust anybody, but you not being very close with my family. Um, and then, you know, you leave the church, you don't really have your friends anymore. Um, you'd be surprised, um, the people that you wouldn't expect that are there for you and help you along the way, like reaching out, um, just opening up at work with, um, people that I, some just chose to feel comfortable with. Um, they have helped me so much. Um, and I think just trying to be around people that are passionate and are authentically themselves has helped me so much to um, feel comfortable in exploring that with myself in like, okay, trying to remember, well, what am I passionate about? And who am I? And how can I even trust myself Again, because you don't trust yourself at all either when you leave the church. Um, and so being around people that are just, no matter what situation they're in, they're always authentically themselves. And um, that's been huge for me to be around. Um, Esperanza, I think what you just said about not being able to trust yourself is very powerful, like from coming out of a cult. And also I think that connects to, to people who, have been in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that you lose, you lose the like, the, the fact that you could trust your own choices. And that is such yeah. a big 
scary thing to lose. I agree. And it's a good point. And it's, I think it's really doubled when you're coming out of a cult because, you know, the cult tells you not to trust yourself because you're all your own thoughts and ideas are sinful. And then you were realizing that you were in a cult. And so then you're so angry with yourself when you leave and you're like, how did I let myself get so entangled with something like this? How did I, you know, gosh, I, I used to, I thought the worst things about myself when I left the church. And then you're double whammied because you were arranged into an abusive relationship within this abusive situation. So like yours is like, yours is like that, uh, what's that movie? Inception. Go down like layers of this dream and yours is like layers of like trauma. (laughs) Don't laugh. She's like, it's all your layers of trauma. (laughs) Okay. You know what? I want to talk about that though, because one thing that has been so big for me in my healing is laughter. Yeah. And I've always been like, I was always the class clown in school, but I, um, I mean, even listening to my episodes, um, I laugh after things that I said that nothing is funny about what I said, but it helps me get through it and it, it helps me to just say it. And if, if that's what gets me through and, and I read recently too, that laughter is a really, and humor is a really healthy coping mechanism. So I'll, I'm going to oh. keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. But you know what? I agree. I recently in therapy, I saw my face. I realized that whenever I talk about something really traumatic, I'm smiling and I'm like, why am I having this sort of outward reaction to something that's actually really sad? So I've also um, observed that, but yeah, I agree. Laughter is really good in certain. I do the same thing as Renza. And when I re-listen sometimes even to the podcast, I'm like, I giggled. That was weird that I giggled there, but uh, hey, oh, man, yeah. that's just what I do. I just giggle at the end of something uncomfortable. Okay, this is a wayside note. Do you remember in Grey's Anatomy when they're laughing at the funeral? Yeah. And it's so inappropriate, but they're just totally laughing. Have you guys ever laughed at a funeral? It's awful. I've done I've it. I've never laughed at a funeral. I did it one time and it was uncontrollable laughter and I couldn't stop and it was so embarrassing. And I was like, I feel like a crazy person. Whose funeral were you at? So that was my laughing at a funeral story that nobody else could see. Ronda and Tony. <laughs> I, I do that at work because, um, you know, we're still learning how to like really communicate with the real world and not be awkward and every time I feel awkward I I just start laughing but they all just start laughing with me and then we have a great time and it's okay so that's funny that's so interesting can I just go back to one thing oh my god Esperanza you just said it so beautifully about how you 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 know you mentioned about how we we don't we never really spoke to each other because it was meaningless talk, you know, like we weren't really allowed to talk about anything meaningless, even to each other. And so even now being out when people are just having random conversations, casual conversations, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I don't, I just sometimes I'll freeze and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to have that like back and forth. You know, it always ends up like ending awkwardly. And then I'm just like, you know, awkwardly go back to work. But 
like yeah. in, in the church interactions was it like oh father thanks mother like how did that how did you guys have small talk what did you guys talk about we weren't allowed to so all we could talk about was bible stuff like i remember i'm going to tell you a story one time my husband walked in because we lived in the church and then another deacon walked in. He also lived in the church. They had just come home from work. They passed each other in the hall and the pastor was there too. And they said, oh, God bless you, deacon. How was your day? Oh, God bless you. How was your day? And pastor rebuked them. And he said, why do you Americans always have to talk about how your day was? And so we weren't even allowed to ask, how are you? How was your day? Like you need to, you need to be talking about preaching, gospel work, bearing fruit or nothing at all. That's so funny. I just remembered something. I remember um, some of us were laughing at the deaconess and how she answered the phone. Um, Cause she's just like, hello, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but when we answer the phone, we're like, hey, what's, what are you doing? What's going on? And then we have like a, we check in, like, how are you doing? Oh, that's cool. And then we're like, okay, this is why I called you. But with the, you know, Korean members, it was always like, okay, what do you want? Okay, thanks, bye. Like, <laughs> it's just cut and dry. Oh, it's like um, you were in the military and you're like, what? I need yeah. the military. So they're speaking Korean to each other. I don't know if you experienced this and I don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm and just sitting there like, smiling in the van. I'm just sitting there smiling in the preaching van. I'm like the oh only little white girl. <laughs> the church vans oh man the church vans what is up with that and they're all like kias which now i have a kia so that's hilarious but a kia van. van yeah not a kia van i don't have a oh kia i van. was like oh my gosh tony <laughs> no. are you okay no. yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> nostalgic. she's just nostalgic she needed to buy the kia van oh my whatever gosh. gets us through yeah oh my gosh <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I just feel like you explaining that I just realized right now why, because sometimes I'm hard on myself, like, why am I so awkward? Why am I so weird? But I think it's because for all those years, we didn't, we weren't, yeah. we weren't talking like that with other people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think like, I think, like I mentioned, like I've been trying to be really intentional about being around people that are just so themselves and so they um in a healthy way force me not in an undue influence way but in a healthy way they um they just let me be me as i'm figuring out who that even is and that that's huge you know they'll they'll ask me questions and they'll keep the conversation going and as time has gone on i've gotten better at it but i not with everybody though with some people I'm like I can't do this I'm gonna laugh and walk away (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe I need to do a little bit more laughter but sometimes I just go into freeze and like nothing silent I'm like oh my god this is so awkward oh my god say something for the love of god and I can't think of anything and for a long time you thought like all those things are meaningless they were evil spirits they were you know but yeah or like topics are getting a little bit easier yeah, or before you had like the belief that you were responsible for this random person's salvation and anything mm-hmm. you say could kill them forever. Yeah. So <laughs> watch what you say. Yeah. You know, you're always yeah. watching what you yeah. say. Yeah. But it's been like really healing to just yeah, be around people that are so just authentic and um, you know, just 
letting me say whatever I want to say, even if I decide tomorrow that, okay, maybe that's not me who I want to be. And, and I'm just exploring and figuring out like, okay. Um, cause it, it's hard because you, you try to pick up where you left off before you were in the cult and like, okay, like, who was I? What did I enjoy talking about? What did I enjoy doing? But you're, though, and those things are still there. Like, I think one thing Steve Hassan mentioned was, um, or maybe I heard it on a different podcast, but they mentioned like, you're, you're born with your authentic self. And no matter what you go through in life, like, you're either going to be suppressing or living as your authentic self. And it's always going to come through. Either you're fighting against it or you're not. Um, and so I've tried to just like lean into that a little bit. And I've realized like, wow, I I am still me. You know, and I and I really like me and I'm going to be OK. Um, yeah, I, some days are easier than others, but <laughs> getting older is so much of going, man, I really knew what I wanted out of life when I was like seven. Yeah. Where's my seven-year-old self? And it's just like rediscovering and kind of nourishing that little kid. That little yeah. kid, seven or eight, that just like really knew what was up. Yeah. It's important to them and like really giving them the light again and saying like, okay, like what do you, what, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, interesting to bring up too, because I think that's another thing that's really helped me is looking back at like, what are the things that I loved doing as a kid where I just was so free and alive. And one of them was like riding my bike, like I'd ride with no hands and like over speed bumps and turn and I thought I was so cool. And so I bought a bike and I yeah. ride around the neighborhood and I am like the neighborhood crazy person. And I guess that I'm, I'm officially a Coloradoan now that I bought a bike. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is amazing. Yeah. Actually, me and my little tiny family, we would secretly ride bikes in Boulder. You know, because, you know, we were the church leaders, but we had a little boy and he was learning to ride a bike. So we would like secretly take bike rides. And I remember that being really fun. And we still do. We still take bike rides. And it is so amazing. Uh, I love yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, just like doing anything that helps me connect me with myself, yeah. um, but also trying new things. Because again, like, yeah, you you have these parts of you that you know are you before you were in the cult. But like your things are different now they just are and so I think just rediscovering like okay who am I moving forward and um, I think because of the experience that we've had we're able to be so much more self-aware and emotionally intelligent and more more ourselves than we've ever been because without all of this happening would would we have ever dove into ourselves and looked at maybe some parts of ourselves that weren't the best that we wanted to work on and like, would we have done that without all of this? Maybe not. Um, so speaking of trying new things as far as like whether it's different methods of therapy or um, new activities, I <laughs> one thing that I tried, this was just really funny. Um, I, I tried flotation therapy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, but yeah, it's like you're basically in this huge egg that's got water in it. And it, they put like 300 pounds of Epsom salt, something like that in it, so that you, your body just naturally floats. You don't have to try to float at all. And it's supposed to, um, you know, you don't feel your weight at all. And you, it's supposed to put you in this like deep meditative state. Um, Cause I, I had a really sweet friend that helped me a lot um, when I was leaving. And she 
kept talking to me about trying to meditate and I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll, this flotation therapy will help me. And it was so funny because I, so I'm laying in this tank and it's quiet, you know, it's got the peaceful music on and there's like cool lights. Um, and I tried, I, I like floated there for like 15 minutes. I was supposed to do it for an hour and I ended up like <laughs> pulling myself around the edge. Like I was a kid, you know, in a swimming pool, just like messing around the whole time. Like I did not. So I, and, but I, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm proud of myself for trying something, not knowing if it would work or not, but I'm proud of myself and happy that I cared about myself now enough to just try something for me. And that's something I never would have done in the church or after first leaving. And I think just taking those dives is good. I have, um, I have a question about that. Does the water go in, like, is the water over your ears? <laughs> so they have you put in like earplugs because there's so much salt in it. They don't want that getting in your ear holes. Scary <laughs> to me. Claustrophobic. Yeah, I mean, because I think like, um, you know, I I loved swimming growing up too. And my mom and I used to float down. I, like I learned how to swim in a river and my mom and I used to float down the river. So I, I always loved floating. And so I was like, oh, flotation therapy. That sounds like the adult way to float down the river. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, it, <laughs> it's funny. I actually ended up leaving early and I like smelt like salt the whole day but it, it's really great for some people like if you try and it works like that's great but it was it was just funny for me um really though dancing has been um really therapeutic for me um I've always loved dancing but it's been um just great for me I just dance at home in my kitchen while I'm cooking I was just gonna ask do you like to go out and dance in public or do you like to do it at home um Sometimes I go out with friends um, and I, I really enjoy that. Um, I, I really do. Um, but yeah, mostly at home. Like I, I try to dance every day. Like if I'm feeling, if I'm starting to feel the feelings we don't want to feel, um, I just try to blast some Spanish music and I go to town. I just started um, going to a samba class too. So a uh, Brazilian samba, so that's fun. Um, oh, that I, is so fun. I want to do yeah. that. I really want to yeah. do a class. Can yeah. I just say that Michelle Cologne is going, yeah, right now. <laughs> Michelle Cologne is she's going, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. What else? Is there anything else? Yeah. Um, definitely visiting family. You guys did um, the episode that you released before mine where you visited your family. I, I love that. And I mean, just just hearing, um, just hearing you talking with your family. Um, it just made me so happy because it was like, wow, that's, um, it's so huge. And then, you know, you had a family member that opened up about um, some trauma that they've experienced. And um, though like it's being in a cult, a lot of other things don't really relate to it. But I think one thing that I've been surprised to find out um, and maybe you've experienced this too, is that, people are more empathetic and understanding than we think. Um, and everybody's got their shit or lack of a better word, you know, and um, just a matter of finding the, the right ones to, to run with. That's something that I noticed in Tony when we first started was she felt very like, I feel so embarrassed by this or I'm doing quotes, right? Like, 
like she felt very like shameful that she had this specific like cult trauma and I love seeing and 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 her knowing and hearing and for all, everybody out there to know that like um you don't need to feel bad about it you know trauma is trauma is trauma and obviously like I don't know what being in a cult feels like that's a different kind of trauma yeah, and then yeah. like the removal of the shame of being in a cult that was something that that from the outside I don't get that I don't yeah. understand that aspect of it I was so embarrassed oh my god I was so I didn't want to tell anybody I didn't even want to tell them that I got out because all those years I had been trying to get them to go in so I'm like <laughs> oh my god how can I look at them and tell them that I was wrong I was so embarrassed yeah yeah oh Same. my god Oh and I, I think though, like telling as many people as you can, that was, that's been, that was so healing. I think that was a huge leap right. um, for sure. Because, and I, I think it's really hard to say it out loud right. for the first time, especially because you even had a hard time getting to that place in your own mind um, and admitting it to yourself. But I think the more that you just tell people, um, the, the better because it helps you even if they don't understand or they're not exactly listening what's important is that you're saying it out loud and it makes it more real for yourself so that right. you can realize it's like, like a way of processing it yeah, and now exactly. I'm not embarrassed at all now I realize there is no shame and now I can see what Lindsay's saying how everybody has their own trauma but isn't it yeah. crazy how it feels like like life shattering it feels like world ending and it seems like why is everybody else going going about the world's about to end i'm about to go to hell why does mm -hmm. nobody care you know and, yeah. it, and it feels like so important and like everybody should mm -hmm. be freaking out but it's like yeah. really not like that at all i feel like i think it's comparable when i hear you guys talk about it to the way you feel like when somebody dies and the world doesn't stop like, it's almost like you're pissed off because you're just like, why does the world keep existing and revolving? How come like, I'm going to work tomorrow? What? <laughs> yeah. You're like grieving the loss of something really big, but it gets better. It does. It, does it so does. I'm so happy that you that you're a dancer. That just makes me so happy. I can't wait till we can all go dance together. Not in heaven, but on this freaking earth right now while we live on this earth because we don't even believe all that craziness. Oh my god. <laughs> or if you do, that's fine, but go dancing yeah. now and when you're in heaven. Exactly. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's, Cheers. To that. Let's do it as you're going through as i've been going through the process of just leaving and you know you're figuring it out as you go and i think the most important thing every day though um is just to try to be self-aware because in in a sense of like for example if i if i start feeling a certain way in any given situation i try to just take a minute with myself in my own head like okay why am i feeling this way or, or how am I even feeling? And then, and then maybe, okay, well, why am I feeling this way? What's that from? And, and then like, how do I want to feel instead? Okay, that sounds really nice. And, and how can I get there? And then I, you know, okay, let me try to do that one thing, um, even if it's tiny, but doing just every day. And, and it doesn't always work. Some days I'm like, I, I really just can't today. Um, 
and I, you know, you have your ups and your downs. Um, you live in a reality now where you get to say that for yourself instead of yeah. somebody else is in control of that. And that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, in the same sentence, like, um, one thing that I remembered reading uh, or, you know, hearing, cause I listened to audiobooks a lot at first, um, is how Steve Hassan mentioned that, you know, all these cases of people who have left cults and then they just try to throw themselves into a normal life. And they, they, they do pretty good at it for some years, some even like more than a decade or whatever, but then they have some kind of major issue that comes up, whether it's a health issue or some other kind of um, thing that comes up that ends up being directly related to um, the cult. And it's just um, because they didn't heal and, and actually do the, the, the work. And I, you know, and, and then it, it was hard to hear that and, and hearing, because I, I tried to do that the first time I left. I was like, I'm not dealing with any of this. I'm not even gonna, um, and, and then I ended up back there. And so now leaving officially, this time for real, <laughs> I'm, um, I, I'm, I realized like, okay, though this, freaking sucks I need to like pull apart my insides and look at all of it and it's ugly but I um I need to work on that and not to say like you know the being in the cult is our fault it's not my fault but it's just like I want to I don't want to still be dealing with this later. I don't want this to come up again in my life later. And and it and it might a little bit, but I want to now that I'm out, I want to really live life and actually be present. And when I do something, I want to do it 100%, not just to put on a show that I'm living a normal life, you know. Um so uh, yeah, I'm that's what I'm working on. Um and it's 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 fun. And and though like doing all of that deprogramming and and dissecting of yourself is 100% necessary. I think it's also so important to take breaks. Um, yeah, and not look at any of it for a few days, a couple weeks or whatever. I think that's what's tricky too, is that it's, it's, it looks different for everybody in their situation. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, love, I love hearing all of the different ways that you guys are all coming about that, yeah. We just got done watching like two months long of the Alec Murdoch trial and he's going to jail forever and ever and ever. But um, <laughs> it was like, it does affect you if you don't take a break. Uh, I felt myself getting like sad and it was, it was very sad and it was very heavy and distracting and I'm glad that it's over. One thing I did briefly want to talk about is um, like the nightmares I yeah. have, especially in recent, the past two months, I've been having some serious cult nightmares. Um, and then even like eating has been hard. Um, like I, first time I left, I did develop like an eating disorder and I, I it's better now I'm working on it. Um, but I, I hate being hungry. I think because we were always hungry in the cult. And so when I feel hungry, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, I need to eat right now, instantly. <laughs> Make that go away. Um, and then I, um, any talk about the Bible or, or 
God is tough right now. But I, I think just briefly, I'll mention like when I first left, I wanted nothing to do with God. I was like, get that guy away from me. Um, and now then I, I've transitioned into this place where I'm like, okay, I do still believe that God exists. And I believe that the God who is real um, saw my heart in everything that I did while I was in the church, that I believe that this person was really him and I, I'm good. You know, he, he saw what I was willing to do, marry someone that I was not attracted to. Um, <laughs> and, and now I'm like, you know what? Okay. And, and if, if it's his choice, when it's time, God will, God will come get me when it's time or whatever, as far as me getting back into practicing in a faith or whatever that um, looks like. Um, but yeah, uh, I just like any friends that I lost because of the, the church. Um, I, you know, I'm sorry um, for not being real about what's going on. I didn't know what was going on. I hope one day we can reconnect, but if not, I'll cheer you on from a distance. Love you always. And um, yeah, thanks for, if you've been my friend and you've been here for me, thank you. Um, and to any of my friends in the cult, um, of course, miss you, love you, and you have so much to offer life and most importantly to offer yourself. And I hope to see that happen one day. Um, but yeah, really too, um, Chad mentioned this and you guys have talked about it like we the cult makes you feel like you're so like dumb and useless and then you feel so ashamed and, and useless when you leave the cult too but really in reality gosh we're so smart and actually like we have such good brains that the cult like that we were attractive to them you know because we have all of these talents and so much to offer you know um, like they, even at the church before I left, they were giving training on personnel management. Um, great. Like, <laughs> so I just, things like that, that we, um, that we learned that, um, that can be good, you know, should we choose to look at it that, that way when we're ready. Um, the way that you just described the kind of God that you believe in and you don't know what it is yet. That's so beautiful. I love that. I have a question. Do you know if the sister that put the blanket on you is she still in oh yeah yeah she's mm -hmm. she's a group leader here um i saw her last week actually before my podcast episodes released i had a shirt that i that belonged to her and it was one of her favorite shirts so i wanted to make sure to get that to her um and um another sister ended up coming with her but it's fine i love her too great um and we went and got boba gave her her shirt and um i just tried to keep it like light and funny and just enjoy them for the things that i enjoy about them they did of course like Passover's coming up and and all of that but i was like okay thank you um okay thanks and just changed the subject and and i just i tried to just love on them extra hard um that time um and they uh, it's so cool to be in that place now because, as you know, when I used to see them, I would be a freaking wreck. But it was so amazing to see them and be in a place where it's like, I know where I'm now and I'm never going back to where I was. Um, and 
seeing these people isn't going to affect me the way it used to. And I can, I can love them and appreciate them for the way that I feel about them. And um, I, I gave them an extra long hug um, when we were leaving and they, you know, they didn't know why, but uh, cause I'm like, Oh, my podcast was stuck or at least like the church might teach you that I'm Satan and you never talk to me again. Um, but um they were like, oh, the door's always open. If you miss us, you can just come. And I was like, oh, it's okay. Like, I'm always here. If you need anything, you can reach out anytime. That's all I said. And that was that. Do you think that now that your episodes are out, that that you that they'll cut off connection with you? Um, I hope not. I think that that's it, really beautiful that you're able to have contact yeah. with them that way. That's, I feel like that's so rare. And if you can keep that, yeah. you know, without them influencing you and without you influencing them, I don't know. I think that's really beautiful. I think that like the common denominator and all the like ways that you can help somebody get out of a cult is just like, just give them consistent love that let them, you're here for them no matter what they choose to do. And I didn't, I didn't have that when I was in the church and I know that they don't have anybody on the outside either. And so if I can be that person, I would love to be. And so um, I don't have to agree anymore with what they believe or with what they do, but I can still love them and let them know that I'm here whenever they're ready. You were just such a sincere <laughs> and beautiful person. And I, yeah, I'm just so happy to yeah. have met you. Well, thank you. I think like, you know, so many things happen in life in general. And it's, of course, can be so easy to let it destroy you. And it, and it might for a little while. It definitely did for me. Um, but like, even when I was young, like, I always knew I was adopted. And um, it was just like, wow, I've been giving, given a second chance to like, have a good life. Like, this is great. Um, you know, and then lots of other things happen and then I join a cult. And <laughs> but it's like, wow, I just like, I, how do I put it? I, I, I have, there's too much opportunity and there's too many big lessons in what you've been through um, to not learn them and grow from them. And oh my, it's so cool when you do. And life just gets better and better and better and i'm i'm so freaking excited like i can't wait to be a super cool old lady like i i want to live life and enjoy it but um yeah it's just all these crazy things that happen to us um they're good in the long run okay esperanza you're wonderful we really enjoyed speaking with you um will you do one more wonderful boom baby for us Sure thing. Boom, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be yeah. great. I'm so real life happy friends. Let's go floating. Let's go floating. Yeah, dancing. Floating. Oh, oh yeah. I'd love to dance too. I think I need to do a dance class. I feel like that's where the universe is telling me to go. Good one. Kapow. Yeah.